Welcome to the Weekly Investment Outlook podcast from Deutsche Bank's Private Bank, looking at the most important issues for investors in the week ahead. Hi, and welcome to a new edition of our Weekly Investment Outlook podcast. I'm Melissa van Andraat, Communications Manager for the Private Bank, and we record this session today on Friday, the 11th of August. My interview partner for today is Deepak Puri, our Chief Investment Officer for the Americas. Deepak, it's good to have you. How are you? I'm doing very well, Melissa. Great uh, to be with you as well. Great. Now, we do have a tight schedule today with different topics to discuss. So let's jump right in with the first one, which is Moody's downgrade of several U.S. banks. In a note, Moody's mentioned growing financial risks and strains that could impact banks' profitability. Uh, From your point of view, what signal is this downgrade sending? And uh, also, I guess, more importantly, will there be more to come? Well, uh, as you correctly pointed out, I mean, you know, the Moody's has been the last out of the three main rating agencies to to, to, to take some sort of a credit re-rating assessment. As as we know, Fitch downgraded U.S. sovereign rating earlier in the month, and the Moody's have now downgraded around uh, 10 mid and small uh, banks in the U.S. and put uh, some of them, the bigger ones, also on negative credit watch. I think this just shows us that when Federal Reserve tightens rates by such speed and ferocity, there are going to be unintended consequences, and this is uh, primarily one of them. Uh, it also boils to the fact that there are higher funding costs, which is also one of the things that the Moody's mentioned in their report, But uh, and also the Cree exposure, which is the commercial real estate, something that the market is not really grappling with, with right now, but something might um, you know, come to play a bigger role in the months and quarters to come. Right. Yeah. Thanks for putting that decision into uh, into perspective for us, Deepak. Uh, now switching gears for a second, and let's focus on the latest data published by uh, by the U.S. Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics for a moment. So we recently got the latest consumer price index data, and I would just love to to get your take on the development and, of course, also what this means for investors. Yeah, I think uh, it was a, I would say, somewhat of a positive report because the trend uh, was really there, the deceleration that we have been seeing in the CPI number, even though on the nominal front, because of primarily the base effect, um, the increase was there. Um, so from 3 to 3.2% year over year, when you look at the core CPI number, it actually went down from 4.8% to 4.7% on a year over year basis. And a month over month, it was 0.2%, pretty much the same reading that we got for the month of June. I think for me, the key takeaway, Melissa, was really that uh, Chairman Powell's favored inflation uh, point from this report is what's called the core services X shelter, which increased at uh, 0.19% month over month. Now, if you just look at this number, the three month trend in this number is getting close to, you know, Fed's comfort zone. It's below 2%. The six month trend was around 2.8% and a year trend is 4%. So obviously the the number that matters the most to at least the Fed chairman, who's an important person in the FOMC, is coming down nicely. So I think it's a it's a very good uh, macro environment and, and progress that uh, calls for somewhat of a pause uh, when the Fed meets uh, in September on September 20th with regards to its uh, you know monetary policy. Very interesting. And 
Can I please also ask you to, to share your insight on another economic indicator, which is the producer price index, the PPI? Uh, you know, it feels like it's always a little overshadowed by the CPI when I look at the at the uh, broad media coverage. Can you enlighten us here? What does the PPI tell us compared to the CPI? And is it also something that you monitor closely? We do monitor closely, but as you said, it usually gets overshadowed by the more important CPI number. And so very simply put, uh, and it's also in the acronym, CPI with consumer is really what the price is paid by the consumer. PPI is the producer price index. So that's the price that, that a producer is playing, paying for um, you know, producing a unit of good. And since it's a producer, it usually tackles goods more than goods and services, which is the case with the CPI. And given that the U.S. economy is more service-oriented, the focus has always been more on the CPI because it captures both goods and services. PPI mostly captures goods. To give you an example, Melissa, think of owner's equivalent rent or the shelter part of the CPI. That's 24% of the CPI basket. That owner's equivalent rent is not present in the PPI number. So it's completely absent. So there are certain technical differences in terms of how the basket of uh, goods and services are created. But the biggest takeaway would be that the PPI is really looking at the prices paid by the producers and CPI is really looking at the prices paid by the consumers. Got it. That was very helpful to understand. Thanks, Deepak. Um, I would like to move on to earnings and and uh, we are moving towards the end of the second quarter earnings season. And I just wanted to ask you two questions, actually. Uh, firstly, any concluding remarks from your side already? And secondly, when we look at companies guidance for the second half of the year, is there anything that stood out from your perspective? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, we are at the uh, last leg of the earnings season, both in US and Europe. And, you know, the key takeaway for me really is that the markets have not rewarded companies with a positive earnings surprise. So if you look at the price movement of the companies that came with a positive earnings surprise, the price actually went down uh, 0.5%. And we calculate this two days prior to the earnings release and two days post the earning release. So this five-day period, the companies with a positive earning surprise actually went down in price. This is a big bit of a difference compared to how the stocks have reacted in the past. If you look at the past five years, when the companies were giving a positive earning surprise, the stock price would actually go up 1% in that same five-day period. So that would be, uh, for me, a, a key takeaway of this earning season. But overall, I think it was a relatively uh, decent one because 90% of the companies that have reported, 79% beat its EPS uh, you know, uh, guidance and 65% did better on the revenue front. And these numbers are both better than the five-year average. Um, I think the big tech, which is a big focus here in the U.S., did reasonably well as well. So that shouldn't be a, an area of concern. Next week is important because the the psyche would shift from big tech to retail. So we get Home Depot, we get Target, we get Walmart. So three big ones. That should give us a little bit of the strength of the U.S. consumers as to what these companies are seeing. And the underlying trends that I'm focused on is really consumer resilience. Uh, as interest rates have started to go up and remain high, are now consumers retrenching 
their spending pattern. And then any impact from this uh, looming student loan repayment, which is going to start on October 1st. So, um, so those would be my things with regards to the guidance early days, but uh, the guidance number is 62% positive guidance around 15%, no change. And the rest would be slightly negative guidance. This is only from around 45 companies that have given concrete guidance for the third quarter of this year. Got it. Okay. Um, you already mentioned um, upcoming earnings uh, next week that you're closely monitoring. Uh, anything else um, that you that you're closely monitoring in the in the next weeks to come, or for the for the for the rest of August in terms of uh, economic data? Yeah, so on Wednesday, we're going to get the Fed uh, minutes from last meeting. I think it will be interesting to see if there was any debate, if possibly the markets and us can get any hints in terms of what the Fed wants to do when they meet in September. We also get the retail sales number along with the retail earnings report on Tuesday. The expectation is for that to be slightly up 0.2% month over month. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have the Jackson Hole Summit, uh, Melissa, later this month. It's on August 23rd, um, I'm sorry, August 24th to 26th. So that's uh, an important one. It really is going to be um, seen if there are any major changes in the Fed framework. I, we really don't expect this to be a market moving event, but something to still keep an eye on. And last but not the least on the US politics front, you know, August 23rd is the first uh, GPO, which is the Republican Party presidential nominee um, debate. Uh, that's going to be televised live. So uh, we're starting to get into that, uh, you know, politically charged uh, atmosphere for the 2024 presidential elections. Okay, Deepak, um, I think before we wrap this up, one last question. How do you position yourself as an investor at this stage? Well, that's a great question, Melissa, and I'm glad you left it for last. See, market for the short term, and I'm talking weeks here, is really devoid of any directional drivers. You know, we talked about the earnings, the Fed uh, uh, pause, soft landing scenario. You know, that's all good, but this is not really what's going to drive the markets because most of this is already priced in. My, you know, our concern is that the soft landing scenario is becoming more of a base case for the market psychology, and soft landing is not a guarantee. So any deviation from that soft landing would make the markets to recalibrate its um, assessment of various uh, asset classes. So hence, we are advising our clients to not chase the rally, uh, have some extra cash on hand, because we're also entering a seasonally weak time for the equity markets. So a three to 5% pullback uh, is not uncommon. And we'll take it, you know, just like the Fed data dependent, but for the real short term, which I'm saying next couple of months, I think um, that would be an appropriate strategy. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks a lot for these insights, uh, Deepak. It was a, a real pleasure speaking to you again. And dear listeners, this was this week's edition of our weekly Investment Outlook podcast. I wish you a great week and, and bye for now. In Europe, Middle East and Africa, as well as in Asia Pacific, this podcast may be considered marketing material, but this is not the case in the US. No assurance can be given that any forecast or target can be achieved. Forecasts are based on assumptions, estimates, opinions and hypothetical models which may prove to be incorrect. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Performance refers to a nominal value based on price gains and losses and does not take into account inflation. Inflation will have a negative impact on the purchasing power of this nominal monetary value. Depending on the current level of inflation, 
This may lead to a real loss in value, even if the nominal performance of the investment is positive. Investments come with risk. The value of an investment can fall as well as rise, and you might not get back the amount originally invested at any point in time. Your capital may be at risk. The services described in this podcast are provided by Deutsche Bank AG or by its subsidiaries and or affiliates in accordance with appropriate local legislation and regulation. Deutsche Bank AG is subject to comprehensive supervision by the European Central Bank, by Germany's Federal Financial Supervisory Authority and by Germany's Central Bank. Brokerage services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated, a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor which conducts investment banking and securities activities in the United States. Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated is a member of FINRA, NYSE and SIPC. Lending and banking services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Trust Company Americas, member FDIC, and other members of the Deutsche Bank Group. The products, services, information, and or materials referred to within this podcast may not be available for residents of certain jurisdictions. Copyright 2023, Deutsche Bank AG, and or its subsidiaries. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be used, reproduced, copied or modified without the written consent of Deutsche Bank AG.